Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Buccinelli. Welcome to season two of the interview portion of the Indiana Runner podcast. It's been really enjoyable over the past year to get to talk to some of the best coaches and alumni from around the state. This portion of the podcast was started out of my enjoyment of other interview style podcasts. When I came to call in to ask if I could start this portion of the podcast, I didn't know where it would lead. At first, I was struggling to think of guests, but now I have a list of nearly 100 potential guests. I'm not the best podcast host in the world, but listening back to the first episode, it's been cool to see how the show has evolved. I appreciate all the positive feedback I've gotten along the way. It means a lot. Uh, between preparing the outline, recording the episode, communication, and getting the episode ready to publish, I spend about six to eight hours each week on the podcast. With that amount of time, I weighed over the past week if I wanted to continue doing this. After taking some time to think about it and talking with others, I am going to continue. I decided I can't give up the opportunity to give platform to the people that make our sport great. With that being said, I want to continue to improve and level up my portion of the podcast. One way I want to do that is through sponsorships. I'm realistic about the reality that this podcast serves a niche market. Although not the largest audience in the world, the Indiana Runner community are some of the most dedicated and tight-knit. I would love the opportunity to partner with companies who see the value in that and want to support what we're doing. If you or someone you know would be interested, feel free to reach out via the email and the show notes. Another way you can support the show is by reaching out with feedback. I take the feedback and guest suggestions I get very seriously. I would love to hear from you and connect with you. Colin Taylor and I have been talking about other ways we can give opportunity to support the show, so be looking for potential announcements later this summer. Thank you all again for listening to and supporting the podcast. I look forward to another year of amazing stories from around the state. Without further ado, welcome to the second season of the interview portion of the Indiana Runner podcast. The following is a conversation with Alyssa DeLa, formerly Alyssa McCaig. Alyssa graduated from Concordia Lutheran in 2004, where she was eight times an all-state finisher, three times in cross-country, and five times in track and field. She was also a two-time state champion, once in cross-country in 2003, and once in the 1600 in 2004. Upon graduation from Concordia, Alyssa joined the Baylor Bears. As we dive into during our conversation, Alyssa left Baylor after a year to move back home to spend time considering where she wanted to take her life and career. After the year away from collegiate running, she would join the, the Spartans of Michigan State. After two years with the Spartans and multiple All-American finishes, Alyssa moved back home to finish her career at Indiana Tech and prepared to take the step into professional running. At Indiana Tech, Alyssa would win NAIA championships in cross-country, the indoor and outdoor 5K, and the outdoor 10K. She would also set school records in every event, 1,500 meters and above, and set the national 5K cross-country record for NAIA. After Indiana Tech, Alyssa took the step of running professionally and joined Zap Fitness. Alyssa achieved a lot of success as a professional, making multiple Worlds teams and competing in multiple U.S. trials. As it stands today, Alyssa is Indiana alumni number 19 in the 1500 and 420, third in the 5K and 1528, third in the 10K and 3214, ninth in the half marathon and 113.58, and third in the marathon and 231.56. After a successful running career, Alyssa made the transition to triathlons around 2015. In 2016, she was USA Triathlon Age Group National Champion. In 2017, she was named USAT Elite Women's Rookie of the Year. In 2018, she suffered a horrible accident during training and sidelined her for almost a year. Since recovering from her injuries, she has managed to achieve high placings in many more events. The past two years, Alyssa has shifted some of her focus to motherhood. 
being the proud mother of, five, of a five-month-old baby boy, and coaching, helping coach the Snyder girls. During this conversation, we cover Alyssa's journey in the sport, her decision to switch colleges, her time running professionally, all the lessons she's learned dealing with nerves, pressure, and identity, her transition to triathlons, and much more. I really enjoyed this conversation with Alyssa. I admired her willingness to be open about her college experience, the nerves and pressure she experienced throughout her running journey, the key lessons she's learned about life and running, and growing her ability to see the best in tough situations. As always, hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Without further ado, I give you Alyssa Dela. Welcome to the Indiana Runner Podcast. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How is the summer going? Have you been doing anything fun? Yeah, really awesome. My husband and um, baby and I just got back from a little weekend trip to Michigan, which was really fun. So kind of kicked off the summer up there, which feels really nice. That's cool. Is that like a regular thing you guys do? We have, we've gone up with my family a decent amount in the past. This um, was kind of the first time we've gone with a baby. So yeah, we like to go kind of just not too far, the Sawyer area, um, like Michigan side. So yeah, it, it was nice to get away and, and experience that with baby. There's a lot more stuff to take. Yeah, I bet. Michigan is really cool. Like it's, it just feels so different than, than Indiana. Does it's like they left more trees? Yeah, still lots of farmland, but they left so many more trees. I think, or something, because it is. You cross over and you're just like, oh, this is amazing. I love it. It's so great. Yeah, because like rural Illinois and like Ohio, they all all kind of feels like the Midwest or feels kind of the same. But Michigan feels like its own thing. It does. It feels very different. I love it. My husband was really tired of hearing me say how much I love Michigan this weekend. So yeah, I bet. Might <laughs> be like it too. <laughs> Actually, I did a, a marathon relay with a couple of friends. Oh. Uh, started like north of Ann Arbor and finished like close to Ann Arbor. It was like the second year we've yeah. done it. But so we uh, we were up there this weekend as well. Oh, you oh, just this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> I love those. I did one from um when I lived in North Carolina, we did one from Flowing Rock, North Carolina to Asheville. I love the relations. They're so fun. I know because there's like outside of mostly high school, there's like a few relays in college, but especially outside of school, like there's really just like 5Ks, halves, fulls. There's not a ton of opportunity to do stuff like with other people. No, as a team. No, there is not. Yeah. So that, that was really cool. And then I have a, a friend who has his family owns a cabin by Crystal Lake. So oh, we've cool. been up there a couple of times. But Michigan's Michigan's really cool. That's great. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to to sit down with me. I'm excited to kind of hear about your story. But to kick things off, we do what's called a little tier talk. So we take a, a certain category and we rank our top three things in that category. This one is pretty specific but uh the question is if you had to show someone from the 1600s something from modern day to blow their minds what would be your top three 
Uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to take it? You can go first. Yeah. Okay. So my, my answer, answer to this question has always been what will be my number three. Okay. And that is an arcade. Um, I just feel like if you, so I tried to pick a time period that was like pre-electricity. And so if you like just drop someone in an arcade, oh my God. All, all the lights, all the, yeah. everything going on, I feel like that would definitely blow their mind. Yeah, I feel like uh, I just did that with the babies, not from the 1600s, but we went to an arcade this weekend <laughs> and he was very tired, but he could not close his eyes because I, I mean, lights, noises, <laughs> so I mean, video screens. Yeah, it's a lot. So they would probably, it would blow their minds for sure. There we go. Uh, the number two for me, this actually kind of made me think of this question, but have you seen the new Apple Vision Pro? Just like briefly, I didn't click on anything, just like saw articles, but didn't read it. Okay. I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm like not really super into like AR, VR stuff, but I, uh, yeah, I, I think I read an article and then watched like a short video about it, but it looks pretty amazing. It's like almost $4,000, I think, which is pretty Oh my cool. gosh. But just the ability to, uh, I feel like it's the sleekest version of AR that's been released. You can sit down and I don't know. There's so much you can do with it, but it's also like real life at the same time. It's it's pretty wild. That that would for sure blow their minds. <laughs> for sure. Uh, the number one. So this is my first time going to the Indy 500 this past um, go around since like high school. And that the first time that the drivers go around like full speed, there's just like nothing quite like that. Um I don't know. It's just like a, such a unique experience. So I think sitting someone down from the 1600s to watch cars go like, or like how many cars, 33 cars go 200 plus miles per hour. Oh right yeah. In front of you, oh, I think that yeah. would, would blow their mind. Oh, for sure. So yeah. that is my That's number great. one. Those are great answers. Yeah. What about you? You have a three? Well, yeah. yeah. So I'm very much in like mom mode with a five month old baby. And I just feel like I mean, I don't think I want to show them a C-section, but <laughs> that is insane. Like, that I guess that's probably my number one. I started with my number one because okay. I would have died and my baby would have died if I hadn't had one. And sure. that, I, I will never get over it. I will never, ever, ever get over it. And it's crazy. So I feel like someone from then where like dying in childbirth was just kind of a thing that you did. Mm. Uh, I think that would be crazy i mean just like hygiene and all of that in general mm -hmm. i think would probably you know blow their minds too and then my second one was just like a mattress <laughs> i love sleep and like <laughs> they were sleeping on i don't know things stuffed with hay like mm -hmm. and you can get crazy with mattresses you know you got sleep numbers you got things that like should change your foot position and your head position and you know pill the pillows we have i mean come on True. Do you guys have a nice mattress? You know what? I have one that this is the most random thing, but I was sponsored by the shoe company Ultra. Mm -hmm. um, and they were, their parent company was like doing a thinking about getting into mattress, like smart mattresses. Okay. I don't know if they ever actually did, but they sent me a really nice smart mattress. I mean, right there, like supposed to track your sleep and all of this stuff. I never really use that aspect of it, but I just love the mattress. So I actually do a really nice mattress. There we go. Um, and then my third one, 
I feel like airplanes. I feel like that's like a very, mm. you know, whatever answer. But the fact that you can, I just feel like show them a globe, first of all, and then be like, you could get from here, <laughs> here in, you know, 16 hours. I just feel like that would, they wouldn't even get it. But that would have to be very cool. It's like we see birds, but then this thing with all these people and they can fly. I mean, yeah. Kind of answer, but I feel like that would be pretty mind blowing. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I feel like it's in a kind of a similar vein to like the Indy 500. Maybe even like yeah. throw them in the car or like yeah, the throw them in a car. I mean, show them how fast they go and then throw them. I don't know. Or which way would you rather do it? Because they'd be scared to get in probably if you show yeah, them. Yeah, true. <laughs> they have them get in, show it, and then show them the Indy 500. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I just feel like there's so much about today that would be insane to someone from them. But Oh, yeah, for sure. Then uh, when they're in the plane, if they're going on a 16-hour flight, I think they would definitely regret doing that. <laughs> they blow their right. mind in the opposite way. Yeah, just boredom. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was tier talk. The second portion of our icebreaker is what's called car talk. Uh, so the gist of it is these are like the thoughts you have when you're like in your car, taking a shower, just like those random times throughout the day where you have a moment to talk or to listen to, to yourself. Um so my serious one for this week is I've been thinking about like decreasing the time between resets. So obviously the big reset that a lot of people use is New Year's. So you reset your diet, um, maybe you have different goals or aspirations that you want to achieve that year with exercise, with work, with family, all those kind of things. Uh, I've been trying to be better at kind of cutting down that time. So I've been implementing more of like a, a monthly, weekly, uh, or even daily reset. Uh, I feel like I'm pretty good at doing a weekly reset. So I'll like sit down uh, each Sunday and like update my budget, schedule out my week, review kind of the different hats that I wear in my life, whether it be as a coach, as an employee, as a friend, um, as a partner, whatever it may be, like, where can I improve in those areas? Like, how did I do this past week? Um, the daily one I like struggle with because it's when I get to the end of a day, I'm like, I just kind of want to go to bed and not really think about it a lot. So that's a tough one, but I feel like it's been like a really good way to, it's just, it's so easy. It's just like such a natural tendency for humans to, to push things down the road. Like I'll change this back aspect of my life next week or next month but like having those like set um i guess milestones in your life where you have to sit down and think about uh i don't know just think about life and, and how you want to change it's been really helpful for me so that's my serious one my less serious one is so when you like show someone a song you really like and they don't like it i've always wondered is it so then like, <laughs> I knew I'd struggle to explain this one. The, when you hear a song for like a song that you like for the thousandth time and it's like, I don't like this anymore. It's kind of annoying. I don't want to listen to it. That when you hear the song after the thousandth time, is that how the person who hears the song you like for the first time hears it? Does that make any sense? <laughs> no, it does. And yeah. I don't know, because I feel like I generally, like if I don't, I can tell within like a few bars that I'm not going to like mm. this song. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's just yeah. like a visceral reaction. Like, I do not like this. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, and then other times, you know, less so. So maybe the less so ones, but then, you know, after you listen to something forever, sometimes you feel that way too. It was like, oh, press, you know, next, but yeah. Do you listen to a lot of music? You know, I used to listen to a lot of music and then I listened to a lot of podcasts when I was doing triathlon his rides are so long um yeah. <laughs> and then I like ran out of podcasts that I like I would get just like I was up to date on all of them you know yeah and in this phase where like I do kind of and I don't kind of I don't know I'm almost a little worried that I'm too old and like am I in the phase of life where like I like what I liked you know in my 20s teens mm-hmm. and like I can't evolve I don't know Mm. I don't think so but sometimes I hear new music and I'm like oh no this is like old lady corner and I don't like it at all I hate it Mm. what are the kids listening to you know and then I get scared so I'm like that's you're old so I don't know (laughs) I feel like I'm kind of on the fringe of like I was at the beginning of the like pop hip-hop era and we're I feel like we're still kind of in that like music hasn't changed a ton a ton over the past like 10-15 years right um, I feel like we're maybe due for some change. Right, right. And but, then you're going to be like me and you're going to be like, I, what are these newfangled kids doing? Yeah. Are there are definitely songs though. Like I I pretty routinely listen to New Music Friday on, on Spotify. It's like okay. basically a playlist of all the newest, right. the songs that came out the past week. And most of the songs I feel like I don't like. It's, <laughs> it's inter- like a lot of, I don't know, there's just a lot of interesting stuff coming out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, those are my two. Is there anything that, that you've been thinking about over the past couple of weeks? Well, you know, I really like your your serious one. That's such a good like I read that and I was like, I think I might want to do that. That's such a good idea. I don't know. I really like that idea of like checking in with yourself and being like, What am I doing? Do yeah. I need to do I need to restart something? Do I need to change something I could see how daily might be a lot but even just like weekly and that, that feels like a really good thing to do with like a partner to be like mm, for sure something, something I can change you know because yeah I think your relationship evolves and just making sure to be on the same page feels important yeah absolutely and you start to notice that like the I don't know. So like take for instance, the new year's changes, like, I don't know, there's so many statistics out there of how quickly people yeah. revert to their old, their right. old ways. But it, when you start to do even like a, a weekly reset or monthly reset, you start to see those tendencies like in your, uh, in, in just like a week scale. A week? Yeah, I so bet. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're doing great. You're, <laughs> you're not eating out, for example, then right. Friday, the weekend rolls around. Like, oh, I'm uh, tired from the week. And next thing you know, you're door dashing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I feel like cutting down the, the gap between resets has been yeah. somewhat. Helpful. I like that. So <laughs> I, I don't have anything. I don't, I haven't been driving a ton recently. So I don't feel like I've been sitting thinking, but I mean, all my stuff is just like, you know, oh, sorry. That's probably loud. A motorcycle going past. Um, I don't know. You have a kid and I feel like you start thinking about dark things. So I won't go there. So I'm just going to go with your serious one. I really liked a lot, the reset idea. So I'm going to steal it and start implementing that. Cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, we're going to get into your running and kind of life journey, I guess. So we usually start from the beginning. Uh, how did you get your start in running? What was the beginning like? Yeah, so I um grew up swimming. <clears throat> um, my older sister swam, and so I think it was just this easy. By the third kid, my mom's like, they do it. I want this hour and a half to myself, so you're doing it too. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, so from like four years old, I was probably on like the prep team, swim team, and then yeah, on the swim team. So um, and then I started playing soccer, so I was pretty serious into both of those. Um. But middle school was uh, kind of a rough time for me medically. I had um, a bone infection in sixth grade that um, required surgery and a lot of serious antibiotics for a long time. And um, I couldn't swim for, I don't I don't know how long I was out that year. Um, I was on crutches for a long time. And wow. so that kind of took me out. And swimming's just a tough sport. Like, a lot of time away from the pool, especially I think at that age where like people are getting serious and um, yeah. So probably one, one of these things probably wouldn't find, but then I got back in the pool, started swimming again, playing soccer again. And then um, seventh grade, I started having back pain um, and yeah, couldn't figure it out. And then turned out I had something called car's defect, which is basically um, I had cracked my vertebrae um l4 and um i wore back brace for three months couldn't swim couldn't play soccer um and then after three months resumed activity again um but then eighth grade the pain came back and turned out it hadn't healed so i wore the back brain back brace for another three months and it still hadn't healed so um my 14th birthday, I had back surgery and they put um, pins in on both sides of the vertebrae, like I'm in the wings to, to heal it. And so I wore the back brace for another three months. And so that was like all told nine months out of the water, nine months, not playing soccer, um, not doing anything. I couldn't do anything. I, I would do calf raises. This is so weird, but it was like an active little kid and all, so I would do calf raises up the stairs. I'd do 10 on each step, 10 on each leg on each step and go up and maybe back down, it was like 260 calf raises. Like, that's crazy. But it was like the one thing that I could think of that I could do, you know? Um, and yeah, so after all of that eighth grade, uh, spring, I was like, well, I want to make the varsity soccer team as a freshman. That was my like big goal. And so I knew I was very unfit. So I started running. Um, and I just, I really liked it. I didn't know anything about running competitively, but uh, my mom had a four mile loop that she had previously done when she was running. And so she would um, rollerblade with me and we would just do that loop. And I would ask her what time it was when we started. And then I'd ask her what time it was when we stopped and just try to make that amount of time shorter. Like I was already just like, I liked that aspect of it, you know, mm -hmm. seeing yourself improve. Um, and yeah, I, I just did it as a way to, um, I was a midfielder so I was like well I need to be running so um my sophomore year I had a club soccer coach that um he loved running too and so he convinced me to at the time at Concordia you could do soccer and cross country I don't think they let people do that anymore um I don't recommend it but I so I did that 
um, he was like, kind of like, it's a way to dip your toe in without having to give up the thing you really love. Um, so I did that and turned out I was like decent at it. Um, and so then they talked me to doing track, which I had always said, I really did not want to do that. That looked horrible running in a circle. Are you kidding me? Um, whereas cross was like, this is great. This is exciting. Every course is different. Like I, I really liked that aspect. And then, yeah, I was pretty good at, at track too. So, um, just kind of fell in love with it. I, I liked the personal growth, the way it was very black and white, um, in a way that, you know, there's can be politics involved in soccer. And I had experienced mm-hmm. some of that and, and it's kind of hard for that to happen in, in a sport where it's like your time is your time, you know? So that appealed. So yeah, that's how I got started. And then I just kept going from there. Junior year, I didn't, I did not play soccer anymore. I just ran and, um, I, I haven't stopped. So with your uh, bone infection and then like the injury to your back, I guess twice, uh, did that ever come back or did it end up resolving itself? Yeah. So that's, I actually ran into the surgeon who did my back surgery years later. I worked at the a running store here in Fort Wayne, um, Three Rivers Running Company, and he, um, throughout college and he remembered me and he was like, how's it, how's it going? And I was like, great. Like I never had pain because it had kind of been a thing where like he wasn't sure if he was going to fuse it when he got in there or if he was just going to put pins in. And I feel really grateful that he was able to just do pins and it never ever came back. And the bone infection didn't either. They, they don't even really know why I got either one of those things. Like the bone infection was like more in the the specific strain that I had was more in boys and like much younger and parse defect is more with gymnasts and wrestlers and so yeah it was both of those things were just kind of unique that I got them um but um um, in one case I'm grateful because it took my life in the direction that it did I wasn't I wasn't a bad soccer player I was pretty good but I wouldn't have done the things that I've done with running and soccer so yeah was it ever a thing of of like would you ever do sports again like was it ever that bad with your back or um well actually with my <clears throat> back I mean I think if they had to fuse it it just would have looked a lot different I would have lost a lot of flexibility and mm. um but really with my the the infection was they thought it was cancer initially but then if they hadn't caught it when they had if it had traveled up my leg then you know, there's like, you can have to have thing get amputated and stuff. Yeah. So that was like, and they weren't sure if it was going to affect my growth plate. It was right by my growth plate in my ankle. Um, so like, they weren't sure if one leg would be shorter than the other. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of ways it could have gone a lot differently. Um, and so, yeah, feel really grateful that it went the way that it did. Although I'm sure life would have been great, you know, another way. So, yeah. So being away from the sport, for the, the times that you were injured, like what was your, your mindset? Were you like itching to get back or like how yeah. Yeah, was your mind at? I, I feel really grateful for that time as a middle schooler. Um, it, I had a lot of time to spend with like, I have a younger brother who's five years younger than me. Um, so we had a lot of time to spend together. And then even with my mom, like I, instead of going to athletic practices, I was hanging out with the two of them. Um, which I feel grateful for. And I think carried over into like other times of my life when I was injured, I always have a hard time. I mean, I was doing calf raises on the stairs as a seventh grader. Like that's absurd. Um, but 
I always, always had a hard time with being injured. Um, but I do think it helped me to recognize like there is good in this. Like, I mean, I got hit by a truck in 2018 and had a lot of time off and just being like, okay, like I can embrace this for what I get to do. Like I can stay up late with my husband right now. I can, um, I'm sorry. Video call for cut. Um, I can spend time with him in a way that I don't usually get to. I can stay up late. I can like take up watercolor. I mean, it was terrible, but it was something to do. Like just embrace the good parts of mm. when things go bad. I mean, I did not do it perfectly, but it was a good practice at that. And I I have used it later on. Yeah. Does that mindset come pretty naturally to you or have you developed it over time? Like seeing the good and in, in the bad? Um, I think, I mean, I think there's probably an aspect that it comes a little bit naturally to my personality, but I also think I've been lucky to be surrounded by people who have helped me to develop that. Like my dad would always, even as a middle schooler say like, Alyssa, like this really stinks right now, but like you will be able to use this someday for good. Like whether it's your story to one person that can encourage them or, um, you know, he would, we're Christians. He would always say like, God will use this for good in your life. And I do think that that has been borne out. So mm. yeah, just like my parents helped with that. My siblings helped with that. Um, I have great older sisters that showed me how to be, um, an athlete and a good person. So yeah, I just think maybe it came to me easily, but also I think it's the chicken or the egg, you know, is it the people yeah. in your life or is it you? So it's probably more the people in my life. So heading into freshman year, did you give up swimming? No, it's so my freshman year. I swam and played soccer. I did okay. not run. I just ran on my own. And then my sophomore year is when I got talked into starting running. Yeah. Okay. And so then my junior year, I stopped both swimming and soccer. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah. your sophomore year, you finished 14th at state. That was your first year running? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Okay. Did you, yeah. so when you were running kind of casually, did you know you were, you're pretty good at it? No. <laughs> really? Okay. No, when I had no you... idea. Nobody in my family ran. Like my mom did the Indy Mini like one time. Um, nobody in my family ran. I just, I would just run four miles and then go to soccer practice. Like I just, that was it. I didn't know anything. I think I did canal days, 5k in New Haven that summer and like probably one, but like <laughs> you know what I mean like I just was like oh okay I didn't know yeah. when when did you realize or when did you start to become aware um I think that that year cross country through that season just um <clears throat> yeah you know beating some girls that were really good in the area and then um I would I ended up being coached by Brad Peterson by I think he started coaching me maybe my junior year um and he was really like, you know, you're good. And I was like, no, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> and, and there's been a couple of times in my life when coaches have said, so him saying that to me and being like, you know, if you just ran, like that could be really beneficial to you. And then my coach at Michigan State, I didn't know that you could run professionally. And he, that those two men really planted seeds in me that were like, oh, you can do this. Um, at a level that you don't even know that you can. So I feel very grateful for having them as coaches for sure. 
Yeah. Was it tough giving up soccer or did you have any regrets over that? Yes. Yeah. I really, I loved it. I loved it. I, I mean, there's an, you, you talked about the team aspects earlier of like, you don't get to do that a lot in running, especially after. Um, and I enjoyed that part. I also enjoyed the physicality of soccer. I was, a, I was a defender. So like I enjoyed being the last, you know, line of defense. I enjoyed, you know, there's a lot of it that I really liked, but um I also really liked running so yeah I, I did I it was sad but I won a state championship so I guess you know paid off I, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that in soccer either you know so it's just like life is choices and mm -hmm. I've I've not really been one to dwell on like what would have been different so yeah that's a good thing um what do you remember about your training in high school well, that first year, I mean, we really just ran to, there were, there were a couple other girls that did it too. Um, so we just ran to soccer practice pretty much. I think we did a few hill workouts, which like hill workouts in Fort Wayne. I now live like basically on the street that we were using as a hill. And I'm like, what? Squint <laughs> <laughs> your eyes just right. I guess it's a hill, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, I mean, we, and then maybe we did some fart lakes. I don't know. Um, and then once I started working with Brad, it got a lot more structured, um, of course, and he was big on strength. Um, and so we, yeah, we did a lot of tempos, a lot of fart lakes, a lot of hills, a lot of, um, yeah, just kind of like your long runs, progressive long runs. Um, yeah. So nothing like, you know, crazy. I think just like really solid basics in the summer. And then, sharpening up in the you know as the season went along yeah uh what was it like running in northern indiana did it feel like a separate thing or like what was your experience up north oh yeah i mean we had to get so creative because at the time you know cross country the state meet was on that bloomington course i mean Terre Haute is even hilly too but bloomington has those monster hills so we would I think we made a couple trips down there sometimes in the summer. Um, and then, you know, we would get creative with where we ran. We'd have to drive out of town to get to Hills. Um, there are no Hills around Concordia. That's for sure. So yeah, I mean, it feels like a whole different ball game up here when you don't have that access to even Hills just in your regular easy runs from school, you know, would be mm -hmm. nice we didn't have that so we just we got creative um yeah there we go uh so you were obviously a very good runner to begin with but your senior year you're able to make that step to becoming uh two-time state champion once in cross country and once in the 1600 uh what would you attribute to to taking that that step to being a champion i mean i think just continued consistency um I, I, my junior year fall was hard. I had IT band issues and, um, yeah. So getting 15th when I'd gotten 14th the year before was a blow. I mean, I'd stopped doing other sports to do it. And, mm. um, that was really hard. I mean, yeah, I was not, the most gracious loser I'd say. <laughs> um but you know I learned from it um so yeah I think it was just continued you know 
grinding. I think that's what the sport is about. I don't know that there's like a magic formula. Nothing changed. I had the same coach. We just kept doing the same things. Slight increase in mileage, I'm sure, after, you know, consistently handling. I mean, I think even my senior year, though, I was only doing 45 to 50. You know, it wasn't like we were doing 70 miles a week or anything. But, um, yeah, just consistency, staying uninjured. Um, I feel very lucky about that. And then, yeah, just like keeping your nose down and grinding it out. I don't think there was anything special we did. It just, and believing, you know, I had a coach that could see things in me that I couldn't see for myself, but I believed in him and him believing in me was like, okay, if you believe it, I'll believe it too. Cause you say it. So I feel so grateful to him for, um, his foresight, um, and it made it easy for me because I could just do what he told me to do and I didn't have to think. So yeah, we didn't really change much. We just kept going. Yeah. There's something like so true, but also a little frustrating with that answer that like, it really is like running is just such a simple sport. Like there, you want the best of the best to tell you these like secret sauces or secret formulas, you know, but it really just boils down to that, that consistency, the building of strength, the the people around you to believe in you. Like there's there's also just something so beautiful and, and, about and I think something, thing. yeah, it's simple. And I think the other thing we don't want to acknowledge, I've talked about this a lot with my best friend. She made four world cross teams, I want to say. Um, a world marathon team, like she's incredible. I think we also don't want to admit that there's a tiny bit of luck involved. Like mm-hmm. things have to go right for you you know what I mean and like I had times when things did go right and I won state championships and you know did some really fun great things and then other times it doesn't go right for you you know and it's like if if one little thing had just been different if this had happened if that had happened and I don't think we like to admit that like I think the year I won state there were probably five other girls who could have won you know what I mean but it's like it went well for me on that day. And I think we want to think that like, it's a weird thing. Like we want to think that we're special and we are, you are special when you accomplish really good things. But I think sometimes remembering that like, yeah, you got lucky too, in some ways, like I got lucky. It was a great coach. I got lucky being at the right school. I got, you know what I mean? Like things also have to go right. And so I think that can also be humbling to remember that, that like, things went well for me too, you know? Yeah, no, that, that's a really great point. Like for us this year, like we, we ended up winning state and cross country, but like we had obviously a very high level transfer who, whose sister like runs for IEPY. And so he just happened to move into Carmel. And so like, okay. we just got like super lucky to have one of the most talented runners to come through Indiana, move to, to Carmel. Yeah. Right. And to acknowledge that is great. Cause it's like, yes, you guys are great coaches. You have a great program, but also sometimes lucky breaks happen or sometimes lucky breaks don't happen. So I don't know. I think there's just an aspect of athletics and maybe just life in general that I think when people are successful, we think like, Oh, they did it all. Like something about them. Like they did it all themselves. Like, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, there's probably 10 other people that could do the same thing. They just, they're the ones that things went right for. And so sometimes just keeping that in mind, I think can be like sobering, but also good when we want to put people on a pedestal that maybe 
mm. don't necessarily deserve it. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's, you know, you get philosophical in your old age, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's also something mysterious about those, those days that do go well. Like, oh, yes, yeah. yes, like you can lock in your, your sleep and your nutrition, and your training, but some days you just haven't, some days you don't, oh, yeah. there's, there's a mystery yeah. to that as well. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what motivated you in high school? I think what probably motivated me all along and kept motivating me was just, I really like the idea of how fast can I be? Mm. Like, I also just really like working hard. I had to work hard not to just be a workout warrior. Like there is a part mm. of me that just really enjoyed working out, enjoyed training, enjoyed like really hard sessions and then didn't always love racing. Um, and so that was something that I did work hard at of like not being afraid of racing, not being um just a person who could lay it all out in a workout, but couldn't find that same place in a race um, due to fear. And so, yeah, I just think that that motivated me for almost 20 years of just being like, I just like, I like running fast. I like feeling fast and I just want to see how fast I can be. Yeah. I I felt that feeling. Like I definitely felt that uh, like some in high school, but even more. Like I'm not obviously running that fast. I think your half PR is faster than mine. But like now, training for like bigger races, like you do a half, like one or two halves or a full in a season, and you're like training for months and months to get to this one day. And yeah. I found like sometimes I step to the line. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to do this. Yeah. It's yeah. such a weird, like you're training this for this one thing, but then you get to it and I don't know. Maybe you gotta that do a full marathon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, what, uh, so you obviously accomplished a lot when you were in high school. Is there an accomplishment that sticks out to you the most that you're most proud of? Um, yeah, I mean, I did, I, I think I mean, winning the state championships was great. I wish I would have enjoyed it more. I think I had, especially my senior year, I think I had more of a sense of relief when I mm. won because I had I had this pressure that I was supposed to and I was undefeated and it was like, I needed to do that versus like, yay, I did it, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I think I'm just kind of proud of the body of work that I did you know just yeah I think just kind of all of it it was fun and I wish I would have let it be more fun because I think mm. I kind of got I was very results focused at the time I think more so maybe than process focused um and so I think I just wish I had let it be a little more fun I'm still very proud of myself but I think it could have been more fun yeah there, we, I feel like we have a lot of young talent coming up through Indiana. Like, obviously, this, that was a great answer to this question, but is there anything else that you would tell them as they're progressing yeah. through high school and college? I honestly think when I think back, I think I would say that. Like, mm. I've talked to some of the kids that I'm sure you're referring to that there's – I see myself in it. There's, like, a just – so much anxiety wrapped up in it and like I wasn't 
I was a pro when I finally put it together when it was like, guess what? This is just foot race. And <laughs> if it isn't fun, like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like it's, yes, it might be a college scholarship. Yes. It might be like an Olympic spot. Um, and those things are like very important, obviously, but there's gotta be joy. And I think I stole my own joy a lot just with how I approach things. And so I, that would be my biggest thing would just say like, you do this because you enjoy it on some level, like tap into that and hold on to it and make that part of racing too. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Uh, when did running in college come into the picture? Um, I think Brad kind of helped me see that of just like, this is something you can do in college. And um, so, yeah, by like my junior year, it was like, oh, okay, I can do that. And my sister swam in college. So um, not the whole time, but for some of it. And so I knew, you know, that was like a way to get a scholarship. So it was definitely on my radar, but yeah, realizing I could do that was probably by my junior year and that I wanted to do that. Well, I, and I still kind of, the time was a little bit on the fence, but, um, I just wasn't sure, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so you ended up going to Baylor. Uh, what was the process like of deciding to go there? Where else were you considering? Oh my golly. You know, I would tell kids now just like, I think I did a really bad job with the recruiting process <laughs> but I don't know how you make it better I mean it's a hard thing you're doing and I guess I would just say like what are the things you want out of your four years is like running the most important thing is academics the most important thing is a mixture of those two is location all these things like I picked Baylor because of the girls on the team and I liked the coach a lot. And then by the time I got there, like all five of the girls that I liked, like had either quit or were injured. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. The the one, like the people I went to run with were not on the team anymore. I hate hot weather. Like <laughs> I hate it. Why I picked a school in Waco, Texas, like uh, just like unbelievable. Like what was I thinking? Um, <laughs> You know, so it's just like things like that that are like you're 18 years old. Like, what was the thought process? But when I talk to kids, I'm like, and parents probably don't like it that I say this, but I think it applies like the rest of your life too. Is like you're never stuck. I transferred twice. Like, Mm. you're never stuck. If you're miserable in your life, you are not stuck. Like, look around you and figure out something else. And so I was miserable, Baylor, and I wasn't going to stay. And so I came home and I worked for a year and was like, I mean, I didn't didn't know if I wanted to run. I didn't know if I wanted to go. Like, I just didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wasn't going to stay there. Um, And so, yeah, I think I've just applied that to the rest of my life too. Like, you're not stuck. Figure it out. Mm. Seek counsel from wise people around you and pivot. I like that that's what I kept doing I just kept pivoting for sure I feel like I'm in a similar boat like there's this I don't know I guess like this thread maybe since like my freshman or sophomore year of college like I came in from my freshman year of college studying actuarial science realized really quickly that I didn't want to do that but 
I don't know. I feel like it's easy to get stuck when you like yeah. know where you're at isn't where you want to be, but you don't know like exactly where you want to end up or exactly what the next step is. But I've really tried like in my life to, okay, like, like the freshman year example, I knew I liked business. I liked math. I'm just going to transfer into like, or switch to a business major. Cause I know I would at least somewhat like that and kind of go from there and like, just keep moving. And even like post post-college with my career, like I, I was pretty set on opening a nonprofit coffee shop eventually. Cause mm-hmm. I knew, um, like I, I have a kind of a food service background. I've worked at like Einstein bagels on and off, like throughout mm-hmm. high school and college. Mm-hmm. And so I like knew that industry and I thought it'd be really cool to open up a space in that industry that, um, I don't know, like a lot of people who work for, um, for like fast food or quick service restaurants, like they're, they don't provide a good like launching point for anyone who works there. So I thought it'd be cool to, to establish like a, a place in that industry that would be more of a launching point for people. Yeah. But I realized very quickly with that, that I didn't like working in food that much. Mm. I enjoyed investing with people. And so that's kind of how I've pivoted more towards coaching. Like I, yeah. I enjoy running a lot and now I could also like work with, with young people. So I've just been trying to like follow this thread of like, okay, I know I like this. Yeah. This other stuff I don't like too much. Like, where can I go next? And maybe it's not exactly what I want to do, but at least I'm like moving forward. Yeah. And one of my best friends always says the next right step. Like mm. you might not know where you're going to end up, but just take the next right step. And I think that is like crucial. I think it's really easy to just be stagnant. Um, sure. And I feel that way right now. I'm figuring out next things like, stop being a professional athlete what do I do now and yeah you just keep making a step so I'm preaching to the preaching to myself here <laughs> yeah same it's yeah. it's definitely easier said than done because yeah. you I don't know like you have one life and there's a lot of pressure to like make the most of it and you also like when you're like surrounded mm-hmm. by people like your friends or like colleagues or people uh, you went to college with and you see how they're progressing or see what yeah. they're doing it's so easy to compare yourself to other people it is and, yeah. I, I do think too like one um freakonomics podcast has an episode called the upside of quitting that i listened to years ago and it's i think it's worth a listen i should probably go back and listen to it again um because it kind of talked about like I think we can get really stuck on the idea of like, we never quit. You never give up like all these things. Like sometimes quitting something is the right thing. Like you mm. can, it's right to quit. It's right to move on. It's right to like stop sinking more money or time or effort into a thing. Um, and so that, that helped me a lot in some big decisions in my life of just like quitting doesn't have to be this terrible thing. It can be, the next right step can start with quitting something. So I don't know. I'm going to give, give that a episode a listen. Yeah, I, re- I recommend it. It's been a long time. I'm going to listen to it again. Yeah. I feel like it can also be kind of a, maybe a downside of a runner's mentality of, like, I, I think you've kind of mentioned this. And similarly, a lot of the reason I enjoy running is how like linear it is. You basically get out what you put in. Like yeah. if you're consistent and you put in the time and effort, like you will typically get better and it can be easy like to I don't know hold on to that mindset like too much when you're like in the real world where it's not so linear 
you don't even in running sometimes that can yeah. be the wrong mindset too you know we're like maybe taking a step back maybe training less maybe trying less hard sometimes is the right thing running easier like yeah I think it can be yeah difficult to do as a runner in running and in other things yeah yeah absolutely so you said like I don't know. The recruiting process is very challenging and there's probably no great or perfect way to go about it. But is there anything that you maybe learned through that process of choosing Baylor that you would go back and do differently? Just really press coaches on like, what does your training look like? Like Mm -hmm. what is currently happening? What are you doing? Who, what is this girl doing? What is that girl doing? What are like, I think coaches will think that like you're explaining what works for you and they're like, yep we do that. Yep. We do that. And it's like, <laughs> right. But do you do that? Cause I mean, I still love Todd Harbor. He's a great guy, but I got there and it was like, these women are training like 800, 1500 meter girls. Like I don't operate well in that. Like it was really low mileage. It was, I was doing more as like a junior in high school volume wise across the board be it workout volume or total volume like it just I went backwards because I was not in a system that was ever going to work for me um and I don't think he lied to me when he was telling me yep we do those things yep I just think in a general sense maybe they were but like maybe not fully you know Mm. yeah for sure um I would push is what I would do oh yeah which is hard because you're 18 and they're, you know, some 45, 50, you know, they're, they're older than you. They're, you know, that's hard. It's a very hard thing to do. And I recognize that, but I would like, if you can't do it for yourself, I would have your coach advocate for you and say like, I need to have a phone call with you. And I want to, you know, Mm. ask questions. Yeah. I'm sure as like with established coaches too, it'd be hard to (laughs) be pretty intimidating. It is, but like, it's important. I mean, it's that like, yeah, it, yes, I think it's a business on both ends. And you have to remember that it is a business for established coaches, Mm -hmm. but it is your business too. like, and advocate for yourself in a way that like, if, if a coach is, if a coach is, I don't know, going to be like frustrated with a 18 year old asking questions, then that's probably not a place you want to be either you know like they should be able to have a conversation with you about what they're doing and why they're doing and why they're doing it and it's like we just said it is not like there's no magic sauce so just tell me what you're doing and like yeah move on you know what I mean like (laughs) we're all kind of doing the same thing it just matters if you're strength focused or not for someone who is you know what I mean like so yeah for sure that's a great point uh, so you would go home and work for, for about a year. How was that time? What did you learn? And then how did you eventually end, end up back at, uh, or at Michigan state? Yeah. So I, I worked for a year just cause I didn't know if I wanted to run anymore or not. I mean, it, that whole process really stole my joy of running. Um, yeah, it was hard. It was hard to go from a Fulker finalist to, I think I was like, golly, I don't even know what place I got at, at nationals that year, a hundred something. Like that was a real blow to the ego. Um, I just didn't like it. 
anymore. Um, so I just wanted to take that time. And that's another thing I would recommend to people is like, take a minute, you know, mm. I had friends, parents that were like <gasps> clutching their pearls, like, oh, you're probably never going to graduate from college. Like, what? Like, no, th- you should be telling kids to do this. Like, take a freaking gap year if you need it. Work. Like, take the time to figure out what you actually want, you know, like, don't feel pressure. I mean, we just had a baby and who knows what I'll say in 18 years, but I would want him to take a couple years before deciding what he's going to do. Like we just push kids into college, into this like idea that we have that you're supposed to do. And maybe you're not supposed to do that Mm. or maybe something else is better for you. And you'll not know that if you don't take the time to think about it. So I just did that. And I ended up picking Michigan state, which like I think was a great choice, but they had some coaching switch-ups right before I went and, um, who I thought was going to coach me didn't and things were combined and, you know, and that stuff happens too. And Michigan state was a great experience. I absolutely love it there. It's wonderful. And, um, but at the time I really wanted to run professionally, like that was what I had in my mind to do and I was going to do what I needed to do to do it and staying there wasn't going to be it so that's how I ended up back at Indiana Tech um well not back at back in Fort Wayne at Indiana Tech was because that was my ultimate goal and um that's where I felt like I'd be able to do it because Brad was coaching there and I wasn't going to transfer one more time and have it not work out again so felt like this is a I know what I'm getting in this situation. Um, even though like, is Indiana Tech a great school? No, but <laughs> it was an end means to an end that I wanted. And so um, I made that decision with like very clear eyes. Um, and, you know, it, it worked out. I ran professionally and I, yeah. So I don't regret it, but yeah. So throughout these like four or five years, um, did you ever consider quitting or did it just make you resolve to run professionally even stronger? Um, I think it, I had that resolve pretty much like, yeah, it was pretty cemented at that point. Um, so yeah, I think just making decisions to do that, uh, probably yeah, made it stronger. Yeah. So at least during your sophomore year of high school, you had mentioned that like you didn't fully realize that you were really that great at, at running. Um, was there a moment throughout either high school or college where you realized, okay, I, I belong at the college stage or the professional stage? Yeah, I think in college it was getting 10th at NCAAs and cross. Because... Um, you know, everyone runs cross. And so, um, it was something I didn't ever think I would do after an abysmal freshman year. Um, and then as a professional making, um, I'd always said I would die like I, as a college kid. I was like, okay, I want to run professionally. I'm like, I want to make a world team, but I would probably die if I ever did that. Like, I remember saying that to a friend, like if I ever made a world team, I would just die. And then making a world team, I didn't die. And it was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I do. I do belong here. I do like, I can do this. Um, yeah, that was pretty awesome. So 
Wait, I would so say. Do you mean like like die like you don't belong or die? Yeah, like I would just like die out of sheer happiness. Like okay, okay. <laughs> I, my heart would stop. Like I would just there would be nothing else. Um, yeah. So that was a pretty happy day. Yeah, I bet. Um, so returning to Indiana Tech, how is it kind of once again being a a big fish in a small pond? I hated it. I didn't <laughs> want to be that. And it's hard to run fast that way. Like, I think I was capable of running a lot faster than I did in college. But I mean, hats off to Addie Wiley for running as fast as she has within very hard to time trial a 10K. You know, it probably helps that she's running 15 and five. But like, that's hard, you know, like just out there by herself. So I hated it. Like, I did not love that. I love training with the boys team. I loved like, doing what I knew was exactly right for me because I had a coach that wasn't going to sacrifice. He was going to do what was exactly right for me. Like he just it wasn't going to say like, no, you have to do X, Y, Z because everybody else is doing it. You know what I mean? So that felt great, but I hated being a big fish in a small pond. I hated it. It was embarrassing. Like I, I, I didn't want to win NAI titles. Like I wanted to win NCAA titles like I wanted you know it was a much different place than I wanted to be or but you know it it was it like I said it was a means to an end that I was committed to reaching so yeah I didn't enjoy it but there were aspects I did enjoy but I didn't like that part yeah is that kind of the mindset you took on like this is this is a stepping stone kind of to where I want to be yeah for sure that was all it was um yeah. So how did uh professional running come to fruition? Like how, how did that process work? How did you find sponsors or? Yeah. Know, I, I mean, at that time it was like, there were the, you know, main groups around. And so I just applied to those like team USA, Minnesota. I don't think that exists anymore. Um, Hanson's, um, Zap Fitness, which is now Zap Endurance maybe. Um, um, I'm trying to think who else I even like got in contact with. And if I had run their standards and I just applied, um, and Zap worked out with their timeline of like when they were adding somebody, you know, cause they have to have an mm -hmm. opening and they're pretty small. So most of the teams. So, um, yeah, it just worked out and I loved it. I mean, we can't beat the mountains of North Carolina in my opinion. And, um, that was a great I think I was there for like four and a half years and it was pretty great. Yeah. Did you, uh, I guess, take any of the lessons that you learned from finding uh, the right college to finding the right pro team or were you kind of just. Molly, you would think I would have. <laughs> the other thing I would say, okay, this is just a life lesson that people should just know. If someone gives you a much shorter timeline to make a decision than you are comfortable with, the answer should just be no. Like mm -hmm. if they're like, I need you to decide in a week. I need you to decide by the weekend. I need you. To, and you're like, well, I really, you know, and they're like, no, for these three, like mm, they can probably give you more time. And if you don't feel good about it, don't do it. And I, I, that was fine. Like that worked out, but there was a little bit of that, um, that like looking back and just like, I don't appreciate that. Like, it worked out and I loved it, but like, there's an aspect of that too, like recruitment and that kind of thing that I just think is slimy. And then it really mm -hmm. happened to me for a different group that I won't even 
talk about that I joined briefly and things were said of like for our financial for our financial year like we need to know by this because mm. you know for your salary and blah, blah blah and then I found out later it was all like I think when people say that a lot of times it's not true like and I did find out later that it wasn't true and I was just rushed into making an emotional decision mm. um I think when people do that to you it ends up like making it this like can can end up making it this emotional quick maybe not all the best information thing and so I would say that across the board when you're making life decisions like don't get forced into a timeline that you're not comfortable with for sure I'm sure that there's even the added pressure like this is the your dream that you've been thinking about Uh forever Yep. yep and so yeah I would just say that's a big, big, big thing that I would encourage people to consider when making decisions. Definitely. So how was your time running professionally? Do you have a favorite moment or two? Yeah. I mean, honestly, making, making two world teams and I mean, world cross, like cannot be beat. It was, I mean, I could have died on the start line. I thought I was going to (laughs) You know, you're just like standing there in a USA singlet and there's flags lining the like, you know, start and finish. And yeah, it was incredible. It was great. Where was it? It was in Punta Umbria, Spain. It's like the coast of Spain, right by Portugal. Um, But again, like even that, like I'm trying to think how old I was when I did that. Like I wish I would have enjoyed it a tiny bit more. Like I just, I've always been too serious. Like I just, (laughs) I wish I would have, you know, I probably shouldn't say this on a pod, but I wish I would have partied a little bit afterwards, you know, like I've just always been like, nope, next day's run, like, you know, but you can let your hair down a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Did you make any kind of trip out of it? I don't remember why I couldn't. I had to leave. Like I left before even the after party, which is probably good because there was a fight down the finishing straight between some people. And I think it erupted again on the dance floor. So it sounded <laughs> like I missed something exciting, but maybe like for the best. So yeah. that one I didn't, but then the world marathon in um, Daegu, South Korea, I did. It was awesome. Cause the women's marathon was the first day of the whole track meet. And so then we just had the entire, I think it was like 10 days. Like we just, we kept having to remind people that we did race. Let's just say that's how much fun we had. We went and like sightseed every day. And then we'd come back for the meet and just get to watch the meet for that evening. And like, it was awesome. That one was really fun. So that one we did have a very good time with. Uh, how were you able to take that step to to being at the, the level of making world teams? Like, obviously you were very good throughout college, but was it just the consistency or was there anything else that allowed you to take another step? Yeah. I mean, I think just like continuing for me, I've, I was like kind of higher mileage person. So just like continuing to up mileage. And then, um, yeah, I I honestly think kind of stepping up to the marathon and like doing a little more volume. Um, but we did it differently. Like we would do a 10 day long run cycle. So you had like a little more recovery in between like two workouts and a long run. Um, so I think that kind of enabled me to add volume while also like recovering appropriately between, um, I think that like, we didn't, it, we didn't get crazy and it, it was like, 
really still 5k 10k training just like tiny bit bumped up you know but I do think that that helped a lot um and then yeah I think just like I think for me getting a handle on race nerves and um anxiety was super helpful and then again I had another coach that believed in me um and I cannot stress enough I think how important that is to just have someone who believes in you when you don't believe in yourself when you can't see it for you so mm. that was huge too how were you able to get a hold of those nerves and I guess anxieties like was it just was it just proving it to yourself or was there more to it um no uh so my coach at the time Pete Ray at that fitness um he it was before like the U.S. 10 mile champs one year he had watched something like a ESPN 30 for 30 on Reggie Miller I think it was and I think he had a lot of anxiety um in college I want to say and I don't know there was like a long phone call that involved basketball and I don't I don't know basketball so something about Reggie Miller and it was basically like why do you <laughs> I think someone said to him, like, why do you want the ball in practice? Because I think he would, like, get to, like, the tournament time, and he would, like, all of his stats would go way down. He, like, did, clearly did not want the ball. And so I think his coach was like, why do you not want the ball? You you want the ball in practice. You want the ball in regular season. Like, why do you not want the ball now? And it was, like, him confronting that, like, fear of failure and of, like, yeah, failure in the unknown. Hmm. made him like pass the ball off and I felt like that really spoke to me that this idea like I I love practicing like I talked about that earlier I love working out it, I am not afraid of workouts like I love getting a workout that's like how am I going to do this and then like well I'm gonna try and see what happens and 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 nailing it you know like that feeling is hmm. awesome and what is a race but that except in public, you know? Mm. Uh, and so just kind of saying that, that like, I love working out. It is fun to me. This is working out just with people and like saying like, instead of fearing the unknown, like being like excited by that. Like, I don't know how this is going to end up. I, I know me, I know I'm going to race as hard as I can, no matter what but I don't know what's going to happen around these other ladies and letting that be like exciting was mm -hmm. really important. And then also just like, which I know not everyone can do. I feel very, very grateful that I have been given people in my life who will love me the next day, no matter what the outcome, but like saying that to myself that like, this is a foot race, the sun comes up tomorrow and the people who love me today, love me tomorrow too. And I know not everybody has that in their life. If you don't, I would encourage you to find people who will love you tomorrow because that's really important too. And nothing is like, nothing about racing matters that much, you know, mm -hmm. but it was, it's important to me. So it's important to the people in my life, but only because it's important to me, you know, like right. they love me and like me no matter what. And so I feel super duper grateful that I was able to really, really, really cling to that and say like, it allowed me to, I think, to put more out there and risk more because my mm. worth was not on the table. And that's another thing to recognize, like even just separated from anyone in your life. Like if you don't have anyone in your life, who is that for you? You are worth that. Like 
separate from anybody else. Like just by being a human being on this planet, you have inherent worth. And that's going to make me cry because it's true. Like running is not your worth. And I think there were times in my life I thought running was, um, but I believe I'm a child of God and I have worth no matter what. Um, and I believe that for everyone. And so, yeah, I would just say like, if you don't have people in your life who believe that for you, believe it for yourself because you're worth worthy of love. You're worthy of respect. You're worthy of good things in the world, no matter if you're fast or slow or you have a good race or a bad race. So yeah, I think that was huge for me. Um, and just clinging to that too, that this, my worth when I race is not on the table it's not. So like that was freeing. There's so much freedom in that. And I think you can like look at that and think like, well, then how does it just kind of make the race not matter? But for me, it made the race exciting and and almost safe. Like I can put it all out there. I can put everything out there. And if I blow up, it doesn't, it doesn't affect who I am, you know? And so that, that was like, very 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 huge for me yeah was that like a, a conscious thing like like when you were racing you were thinking about your loved ones you're thinking about life outside of racing or was it kind of something that was subconscious I think it like it was it was like a at various point like I came to it slowly like that first 10 mile championships it was more like the sun comes up sun comes up tomorrow and they will love me and then it just sort of like over time became like Oh yeah. Like the reason of that is like, because I care about it, they care about it. And then it was like, Oh, like I, I was, I was a pro like longtime pro when I realized like, I do put my work, like I do allow this to affect how I feel about me and who I am as a person. Like I do put my worth out there. Like when it was not going well, I felt like, Oh, like, and some of that was like in the sport, like it's hard being a pro runner like there's the five people people know there's like the people at the top that like mm. the red carpet is rolled out for and I it was something that stole my love of running for a little while where it was like I've made two world teams like I've done good stuff like and I don't feel like I get respect when I go to races or like when I sign in or whatever and recognizing that like okay like maybe they don't respect you, but like you, you are still worthy of that. And like, just kind of recognizing that that was what was stealing my joy. Like I can't control other people. I can control my reaction to other people. So it was like, why is that bothering me? It's bothering me because it's making me feel less than, but I'm not less than. And so I'm not going to give them that power. And on a more global scale, like I'm going to recognize that my worth is not tied up in running. That was quite old. I was probably 30 years old before like that really sunk in, you know, it was probably like 27 or 28. And it it was after I stopped running that then as I started triathlon, I was like, this is a mistake I'm not going to make again. Like, mm. you know, I'm not going to let people, you know, steal how I feel about myself away from me. I decide that. So when you had these like fears and anxieties, did you have that support system around you and that the things to look forward to the next day, but you just 
didn't really realize it or yeah, did you oh, kind of build sure. that? Yeah, for sure. My whole life, like my parents are amazing. I've had amazing coaches. I just put so much pressure on myself. Um, I was always looking for like a breakthrough or like, yeah, just like, I just buried myself in pressure and the pressure was only coming from me. It wasn't mm. coming from anybody else, you know, but I did it to myself. And then it was just like, oh yeah, this is just doesn't make sense. I don't need to do this. You know, <laughs> I can run well and not do this. And I would say that to any high schooler. And I've kind of gone around and around with some about it of like, you can run well and not be like throwing up or crying in the morning. Like you can, I promise you, you can find an optimal arousal level that does not include, you know, taking it to this like dark place doesn't have to be that did you ever have a realization like when you're running professionally that like that mindset of like I have to be the best like everyone's expecting everything of me it's probably the same mindset that everyone else has as well if that makes yeah. sense yeah 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 for sure I, because as humans we're so egocentric right it's like that was another thing like I it was I was well out of college when I realized like nobody freaking cares like you think that everyone cares how you are doing. Nobody cares. <laughs> like your parents care, you know, like your parents care and Brad cares. And I love Brad. He will always care. And that's wonderful. And that was like the best thing, but he didn't care in a way that was like, you know, forceful or like, even he doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like it was like a good care, not a bad, you know what I mean? Like nobody in my life was doing it and nobody cares. And that can be really freeing too. That like, we all think that the whole world is watching us. The whole world's not watching. I'm sorry. They're not, you know, <laughs> and maybe now that's probably harder for kids because social media is like huge and whatever, but like turn it off and nobody cares. I don't know. For sure. There's so also, it's tough. Cause there's also like this tension of like, there is some motivation to be had with people, absolutely. Yes, caring, you know, and like, like you want, yes. you're working hard towards something. You want people to see it. There's that's a yeah. natural human inclination, yeah. but yeah. And that's a, why I say, like, I feel like it can feel like saying nobody cares can make it you or that like it doesn't matter to your worth can make it feel like oh maybe you just wouldn't be motivated anymore. Mm -hmm. But I think it's like insanely freeing, like if nobody cares, freaking risk it, dude. Like nobody cares. Put it all out there. Does not matter. Doesn't matter. Nobody cares except for you. So you keep caring. Absolutely. But just take it off the table that like, I don't know, some dork on let's run in Missouri cares. Like I'm telling you what, he doesn't care. He's just going to write nasty things about the next person. And he's going to forget about you in two seconds. You know, it's like, just, I don't know. So it, it, there is that tension, but I, I think there's a lot more freedom to be found um, in removing what feels to me like a more negative, like, I don't know, aspect of that tension, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So being a coach now, like, do you encourage your athletes to like consciously think about these kind of things like what matters outside of running like yeah oh yeah yeah I mean I encourage people to know their why like I think knowing your why is so important um 
yeah and that you know that why can be like very directly related to running or it can be like I don't know I I don't know I mean I don't know what, like for me like at various points like I don't know I crashed my bike at a really big travel and it was so stupid it was my own fault and I went from like 15th at the world championships to 30 something in like two minutes on the ground and it was like I wanted to crawl into a hole and disappear. It was so embarrassing. And it was like, no, my why was like, my husband has worked way too hard with me in this. And so has my coach. And so my why wasn't me. It wasn't anything to do with me. It was just, I did not drive to Daytona to crash my bike and not finish. It was like, I have to at least try not for me, but for him and then for my coach too. And so it was like, gosh darn it got my shoes on started and ended up 11th like knowing your why is so powerful and it can be well beyond you you know maybe it's another why for me is like all the women in my family like there are some freaking powerful women in my in my family out completely outside of athletics and when it would get hard I'd be like starting with my grandma's okay grandma ruby like what would she do in this like she kept going after losing a husband and being pregnant at like 19. Okay. You know, like go through each woman, each woman in my family and be like, this is why this person is a freaking badass. And like, she can do this. I'm going to keep doing this. Like, so it can be like very not related to the sport you're doing, but like having that place you go when it gets hard of being like, grandma Ruby wouldn't want me to stop. Angie G wouldn't want me to stop. My sisters would not want me to stop. Like they do hard things every single day. I can do this hard thing. You know, I, I just think like the, that why aspect is so important to know when it gets dark and practice going there in practice, like use it then and then use it be like, oh, I know this, this is muscle memory. Like hmm. my legs feel like this. Now I go to this spot in my brain and these people and I picture them and I see them or like my dog or the ice cream cone I want to eat afterwards or whatever it is, you know, your why can be any number of things, but knowing it is really powerful. For sure. I I love talking about this side of running. Like I kind of like we've talked before, like the training aspect of running, I feel like is uh, obviously there are bad ways or wrong ways to train, but they're, it's pretty simple. Like we've talked about the actual training aspect, but I feel like unlocking this side of running is like, just takes that's the secret sauce really like figuring out why you're doing it like having those relationships in your life I think that's that's the key yeah and I think as a coach too it's like you know most of the kids you're coaching like are not going to go on and do other things with this sport probably right like maybe they run in college maybe they don't but I think these are the big things that you can use later like I feel like I'm using it now you know we're like big things are happening in my life and it's like I am so motivated by my whys now which is remain my husband but now my baby and like what do I want my life to look like for them and so finding that why that is going to make it possible for me to do the hard work in something outside of athletics like in order to achieve the things that we want to do you know and so I think that's why we maybe the most important part of athletics and the thing that as coaches, like we should be encouraging of people is like, yeah, I want you to PR. 
I definitely do. And I want you to care about running and I want you to show up to practice and I want you to be invested. But the reason I want you to be invested isn't really for that PR. It's because I want you to learn how to work hard and I want you to learn how to see something better for yourself in the future, set the process goals along the way that are going to help you achieve it. And I want you to become a better person at the end of this. Like, I don't care if you never break 20 minutes in 5k, like if you worked hard to get to your goals and you make it or you don't, like, I just want to see you become a better person along the way and learn things that you're going to use when you're 37 years old and not running anymore, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's been the big appeal for me with coaching high schoolers is like, obviously if you got into the college ranks, there's like more money and maybe more like glory in that, but like the opportunity to see, yes, like the best of the best, like be able to coach talented athletes, but also like the, the kid that goes from 25 minutes to 20 minutes throughout his high school career and just like changes as a person too. And is excited about it. Like, yeah, that's the beauty of running is like that kid can get just as excited about his PR as the kid, you know, running 1330. And it's like, that's awesome. And we should celebrate that because the kid running 1330, I guess to call back to like the beginning, like is not a better person for having run 1330. Mm -hmm. He's still the person he is off the track and maybe he's a jerk. So running 1330, cool. Like not that cool because you're a jerk, but like the 20 minute kid, I'm going to celebrate you. If you're an awesome human being and you got awesomer by doing this thing, you know, like, and I think we can feel like our worth as a 1330 person is higher than the person who only runs 20 minutes because, oh my goodness, they only ran 20 minutes. But no, they are just as worthy of all the things, right? As the mm-hmm. 1330 kid. So like, yeah, I get fired up about it because I think there's such great things in this that should not be inaccessible to a kid running 25 minutes because they're running 25 minutes. Like you can still learn the same things and you should. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you I should feel think- celebrated. Too. Yeah. I think in some ways it's almost harder for the, the better kid to learn those types of lessons, especially if they've, they're good from a young age, because yeah. they're all they've known is being celebrated for their athletic ability. Right. And maybe they are a great person as well, which right. is, which is they great. Probably are. Yeah. But like the, I don't know, they've been cheered on, I guess, for their athletic ability. Yeah. Their life, and there's yeah. been no teaching of, like you said, the right. I mean, I don't know. Or you can just get right. You can get caught up in that, that that is your worth that like Mm. keep running well, because this is where your worth lies, you know, for sure. Uh, An example of kind of what you were talking about earlier with, I guess, realizing that like not all of your eggs are in this one basket and there are other things I'm like gotten pretty into chess over the past year. Um, But one of my, or my favorite chess player his name is Hikaru. He's now world number two in chess, um, but he kind of pioneered the chess streaming movement. So he like oh, has, cool. does it like on Twitch and YouTube and whatnot. I like watch his videos every once in a while. But um, he's like been over the past like two or three years, just like killing it. And some would say he's like the best in the world now. And um, in almost every interview he does, he attributes his success to streaming. Like in the in the world of chess, 
like unless you're one of the top like 20 or 25 and winning tournaments, it's really hard to like make a living. And so mm-hmm. as you can imagine, like going into these tournaments, like there's a ton of pressure to succeed because like your livelihood is is hanging on this. Mm-hmm. And he's been able now to make money like through YouTube, through streaming. And so it's mm-hmm. taken like all the pressure off of him to win these tournaments and make money. But kind of like to your point, in a, in a mysterious way, like he's now winning and doing really well in all these tournaments, better than he ever has been mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he doesn't have that pressure of having to make money through it. So sure. interesting how that works. Yes, <laughs> <is>, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, cool. So you would eventually get into, as you kind of mentioned, triathlons. How did that come about? Yeah, you know, I was getting married and running had lost a lot of its joy for me, largely due to like letting my worth be on the table um, and injuries. I, just, I had like a very, very, and very unfortunate series of events that just kind of snowballed and yeah, it was bad. And so I was getting married, like, I don't know, I just wasn't really sure what I was doing with my life. And I was like, I think I need to take a break. I dropped out of the only race I've ever dropped out of the, is it the 25K champs or the 15K champs, whatever's in New Haven. Um, Connecticut and that was like eye-opening I've never not you know it was like I didn't care I was like what am I doing this just I hate this like this doesn't matter like that's where the other side of that where like I let myself get sucked into like this doesn't matter and then dropped out you know so there's like a balance Mm -hmm. out there Um, and yeah I was had to fit into a wedding dress in like a month (laughs) that I was running 120 miles a week when it got fully fitted. And so I was like, well, I'm going to do something. And just, I'd always wanted to try triathlon. So I just was like, I'll try it. Um, and then triathlon's funny. Like you have to earn your pro card. Um, so mm-hmm. I did that my first year um, by winning age group nationals. at um, Yeah. So like non-pro nationals basically. Um and then was like, well, I guess I'll try it. So then we did that for six years and that was fun. Do you have a, a favorite accomplishment or moment from then? Um, yeah, that race that I talked about Daytona, which was the world championships in 2020. Um, mm-hmm. just like not giving up and seeing like what that can look like. So just like having some really bad luck. And then saying, but I'm not going to stop and getting 11th amongst women that like, I never, ever thought, you know, knowing like, well, if I hadn't crashed my bike, I probably would have been fifth, you know? Mm. Um, but like I said, luck, right? Like if I had gotten fifth that day, things would have looked a lot differently too, sponsorship wise and all the things, you know, but yeah. it's 2020 and that's how the ball goes. And, you know, yeah. Are so, you a, are you a better swimmer or biker? Oh, cyclist. Yeah. Which is why I didn't stick with the Olympic distance stuff. Cause the swim matters so much. Um, when you're doing draft legal that I was never going to keep up with, you know, the women on the Olympic team. So it was like, well, there goes that. So I might as well switch. So I switched to the non-draft legal cause I'm, I was a better cyclist for sure. Okay. So you briefly mentioned that you got in a pretty bad accident in 2018 is that you said yeah I got hit by a pickup truck while I was on oh train ride. yeah it was pretty gnarly um and it was a hit and run which like 
honestly oh, hurt my feelings more than anything. <laughs> it's like, what? You left? I was by myself. It was just bad. Um, but yeah, I, I recovered and I learned a lot about just like holding your goals and expectations very loosely. And, mm. um, yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it getting hit by a pickup truck, but <laughs> yeah. you can learn things. <laughs> did you like break any bones or what, what happened? Yeah, I did. I broke, um, I had two compression fractures in my back and then, um, concussion broke my ulna and my um metacarpal and then I had some like ligament damage in my knee and um ended up having a stress fracture in my knee and plica band stuff that had to have surgery later so it was like a whole year thing wow that's uh, sounds terrible yeah you know after being rookie of the year the year before so that was fun um but yeah life happens things happen and you just keep going that's right um so you where has life gosh i'm sorry my baby is crying for a long time do you mind if we wrap it up oh sure yeah absolutely sorry i'm so sorry i can hear him like losing his mind oh no no problem i couldn't hear that's my fault good no no i'm glad you can't hear it good i'm glad no, yeah. I just like I should probably go. That's real life right there. <laughs> yeah, like that. that is. <laughs> um, well, cool. Is there anything else you wanted to to share before we wrap up? No, no. I would just say, like, for anyone listening, like, just truly know that your worth is not in athletics or in academics or in anything. It is in you as a human being. I love it. That's a great way to end. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Alyssa. Thanks for coming thank on. You. Yeah. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right, everybody, until next time, we'll see you.